Hey everyone, it's me, Rebecca. I'm currently on maternity leave, and while I'm away, we picked out some of our earlier episodes from the No Limits Vault so that you can get caught up and enjoy while I'm off. And just so you know, I pre-recorded this, so I actually am spending time with my baby right now. Bye. Telling yourself you're not going to give up is easy when, like, you're sa- you still have your savings and, like, you're, mm-hmm. you know, but not giving up on something really counts when you're broke, you don't know how you're going to make rent, and you still would rather pursue that than anything else. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Each week, we're talking to women playing at the top of their game. So how are they doing it? Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. I first met my guest today back in college when we were students at the University of Chicago. She had acted as a child. Everyone knew her from the movie My Girl. But by the time she made it to UChicago, she'd sworn off acting and was studying international relations, which you'll see comes full circle. After college, she found her way to New York working for Zagat and then Harper Collins. But a little voice in the back of her head kept calling. She had to give acting another shot, so she started going to acting classes, doing free shows, sometimes in the basement in Astoria. And today, she is one of the stars of my favorite show, Veep. Anna Klumski, welcome to No Limits. Thanks! This is your show. This is my show, (laughs) and I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm so excited for you and all the success that you've had in your career. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. That (laughs) genuinely means a lot. Um, For those of you just listening, Anna and I crossed paths at the University of Chicago, which um, just everything you've accomplished since then, Veep. My now favorite show. Aww. When you're in the the time right before the show, yeah, what goes on? It's like it's a lot of promotion and stuff. That's you know, um, that's kind of part of the deal. We went to South by Southwest, and that was my first time there, and it was daunting the amount of Veep like love. It was it, I, I could not. It, you know, when you're when you're in the set and you're on your soundstage and you're like, you know, it, when you're just going from the table to the set and trying to figure out if the show is up to our own standards and all that stuff, like, you you know, you are very much in like this little incubator, like, you you know, and you don't really get a sense of of how it's being received or, you know, uh, any changes um, kind of outside of our own little world. And then you go to, yeah, this kind of a thing and. I mean, like we we landed. I mean, the, our hotel keys said Veep on them. Like no joke. <laughs> I mean, I was just like HBO. Like like chill out. It's just like I couldn't in Game of Thrones too. But like ours said Veep, and like there were you know there were like pedicabs, and they all said Veep everywhere. People were wearing T-shirts, and then like we did this panel where it's just us jokers talking, and it was at the convention center, and it was two thousand people, and I'm just like, what's what is happening? <laughs> it makes no sense to me. So, you know, I say we're calming down, but then there's all this evidence to prove otherwise. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> what is it? What is it like behind the scenes with all the people from that cast? So many talented actors you're working it's, with. I mean, it is an embarrassment of riches. We have we have just the highest caliber of um, of many schools of acting. You know, and 
um, you know, you've got the the sitcom, you know, veterans, and you've in, and they're the best at it. Obviously, I mean, there's no we. Don't, I don't need to give any evidence that that Julia Louis Dreyfus is, you know, one of the the very best at that that we have. And um, you know, and then you've got like the OGs of improv. You know, Matt Walsh, who basically you know, kind of taught everybody else how to do this, how to do improv. Um, so you get like, you know, anybody from Upright Citizens Brigade, like who was who who learned anything from there on set to be a guest. And like they're basically like with their teacher, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. And um, and and Dave Pasquazy and, you know, and then Sam Richardson from Second City. And, you know, and then there's like Kevin Dunn and. And Gary Cole and I, who are not comedy trained and not improv trained, but we're classically trained. And, and so we all just pull from these different walks of life and, and places and, and schools and make something. And, and it's it's delicious. And it, and it becomes like, yeah, like a master class. I um, just even this year, I was like, I can't let this be lost on me that that this is not every day, <laughs> you know, I, at work. You don't always punch the clock and get a master class. And, and I do. And that's that's a huge blessing. I want to talk a little bit about your backstory <laughs> growing up in Chicago. Yeah. Did you I mean, you got into acting when you were really, really young. Yeah. Did you always even as a little kid, did you want to be an actor? I mean, not before I was already in it. Like it, 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 it certainly. Um, so my mother had put me into like modeling. As a, I mean, my first technical gig, I guess, was when I was ten months old. So it's like no, like that's you know. Um, <laughs> you didn't raise your hand and say, Mom, I'd love to be in a Marshall yeah, Fields. Yeah, it was Marshall it was, Fields, right? Or was it Marshall Fields or was it Carson Peary Scott? I think okay. it may have been Carson Peary Scott. Okay. Both of which probably don't exist anymore. Chicago. There's yeah. Chicago, yeah. though. Anyone in Chicago <laughs> I know. remembers. Yeah, did you hear that huge accent? By the- oh, I think it was Carson <laughs> Peary Scott. Um, God. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know. I don't think, yeah, I, I, it certainly wasn't, it had nothing to do with my own desires um, at that point. But my mom, you know, was pursuing acting herself and did a lot of like community theater musicals and things. And, you know, at one point when I was like eight, I said to her, I want to do that. I don't like modeling. I'm tired of being stuck with pins and, you know, but I want to do, I want to do like Annie, right? Because any kid wants to do Annie. And, um, and so then I auditioned for those, and I got I got into some of those, and um, and that was fun. Um, and also when you're it with when you're in the catalog with an agency, they kind of put you up for other stuff. And so I got into commercials, and then I got into um, and then I got into My Girl. It all kind of happened around me. I I, I wasn't really ambitious for it. Um, I got I, 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 I think I was partly ambitious for it around my adolescence because then by then I was old enough to like love Vivian Lee or love Betty Davis and want to be them. Um, but then even then it's it still felt like such a popularity contest and it still felt like such a way to get approval from adults mm. um, because that's like how you learn to be a person is from, you know by adults approval and so if you're that doing, has to be tough when you're young yeah yeah not not um not a picnic um i'm learning <laughs> but yet but i will say as tough as it might have been internally externally there are so many people in your industry who start out young yeah and it's and I mean, it goes a lot worse it goes yeah. real bad yeah 
It's true. And I and that's why I'm I'm careful not to like, you know, woe is me the story because it's because obviously it went okay and you know, no one comes out of something like that unscathed. But also no one comes out of any adolescence, like in the public eye or out unscathed. You know, like we all have our thing that presented challenges and um and, you know, and and the the things that rock the boat at home and you know, so that this just happened to be ours, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I, I didn't really, really firmly, firmly know how much I wanted to pursue this craft until I was an adult. Um, I, you know, by the time you and I knew each other, I was over this. Like I, you were studying international relations at the University of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So what were you going to do with that? I don't know. I think I think I was going to be in some version of the West Wing that I thought, you know what I mean? Like that was really popular when we were in school. And so I think I was like, oh, that looks really fun and fast paced and smart. I'm going to go and work on, in government. Um, and then and now here you are. Yeah. And so well, it's close. So bizarre. I know. So close and blessedly so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was going to take my foreign service exam. I remember having like the study guide for the foreign service exam and I was like, no, I was like, I'm not doing this. There's just I'm not doing it. I really? don't feel like studying for a freaking test right now. I don't want to do this. Um, so, you know, that kind of that kind of started the whole pre-life crisis for me, which happens to everybody. My, you know, God bless my 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 brother's going through it now, like graduating college. You're just like, ah, what's happening? Which is nice to hear that you feel that that happened to you. Because, oh, I mean, God, most yeah. people would look at everything that you've done and accomplished and think, like, it just went Oh, they'd up, be wrong. Up, up. No, no, they'd be so wrong. Oh, no, no, no. We all, yeah. We all, yeah, again, no one goes through that moment in their lives unscathed, I don't think. I mean, no, because I, I had written off acting. Why had you written it off? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. We've got the exclusive view behind the table. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the moments that make the view the view. The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. I had written off acting. Why had you written it off? Because it made me – because the way that I grew up with it and then stopped getting jobs through my adolescence, um, so much of it just made me feel like poop. Like it just made me feel bad. Um, And so I knew – and and everything around school made me feel better. Hmm. So it was like, oh, you mean I can write a paper and be anonymous – um, and not have people say that I'm too fat um, really? for a role. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Like, that was so part of growing up. Did you hear Emma Thompson? She basically said that with The Brideshead Revisited, I believe she was told or another actress on the show was asked to lose weight. And yeah. she said to 
the producer or the director, whoever it was, mm-hmm. if you ever bring that up again, I'm out of this project. God, I love her. If I ever met that woman, I would probably just like <laughs> melt into a pool of my own sweat. I like. I mean, how awesome is that? Yeah, because you know, even like to know to have the self possessiveness to know at that point in her career that she could get away with saying that. It's like because you know when you're. An actor, you spend a lot of the, especially the beginning, like paying your dues moments, like not having work. So like when you finally have work, you're just like, I'll just be so agreeable and I'll just do whatever you need. And, you know, and so then for her to be like, I'm out if you're treating this other person like like crap, like that's just so elevated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) This business is similar, by the way. I bet. It's it's very cutthroat. And you get asked to do things. Mm -hmm. You may or may not always want to do the things you're asked to do. Yeah. Because of television and ratings. And I mean, you know, oh, God, if you watch Network today, it's the same. You're just like, it's not like it's so prescient because you're just like, (laughs) I know. I know. I don't have to tell you. Well, no, but it's funny. I actually did watch that a couple weeks ago. It's bizarre, isn't it? Kind of shocked. Yeah, it's not dated in any way. Yeah. In fact, it's maybe even more relevant. It's like, yeah, it's incredible. Um, So I want to go back to your (laughs) story. No, but I I I very much enjoyed that tangent. So your story, you've given up acting. You go to school. You're not interested in taking the foreign service exam. (laughs) Then what? Then uh, I got – then I applied to, like, again, anybody coming out of school and panicking their ass off. I applied – I must have written, like, 100 application letters. Like, I would just sit at the reg. Like, I – That's our I, library, yes, by the, the reg way. Yes, the reg is done. So, like – but, like, I, I never really was one to study in the library. I always studied in my dorm room. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I was applying for jobs, I was at the reg every single, like, breathing moment. It's really strange. Like, like that was when I, like, kicked into, like, library <laughs> mode. Um, so, so yeah, I was just, like, I would just, like, just write the cover letters, write the cover letter, and, and just pray that something would bite. And one thing bit, and that was, um, that was a fact-checking job at Zagat. The food guide. Yeah. Because I grew up in a kitchen. My dad was a chef. So, like, I was very much into food writing and food. You know, so, of course, you, uh, you know, you you get the job at the food guide and then you realize that it's really just a polling agency. Like, they don't, you don't, they don't write the food stuff. Like, they just gather. Oh, so you don't get to enjoy the food. No. You don't go out and eat at these places and then make a call about them. No, no. It's actually not that. It's, they gather all of the surveys. It's a surveying company. So they gather all the surveys um, at, from all the people who write in. And then if you'll notice, all the blurbs are in quotes. And so they're just... Right. So, so it's actually like, I mean, it's purely democratic because <laughs> it's, you know, it's actually the best way to gather people's opinions. I mean, this is pre, really pre like, you know, internet's kind of, you know, I mean, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was pre- um, Yelp wasn't pre Yelp, yeah. yeah, reviews, pre rankings. Like this was the this was the OG. I was like, yeah, it was the first that did it. Um, so, but yeah, so I was like a step above a telemarketer. And you came to New York, but it got to me do to this? New York. Yeah, it got me to New York. So that that's what that was. And so, like for two years, I would, I you know, I was pursuing writing and publishing. I worked at a publishing house for a year. I can hear you at parties telling people, I'm pursuing writing and publishing, <laughs> you know, as, as you do like at that stage in your in life. 20s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, it went more like, yeah, I'm a writer and I love fruities. 
<laughs> I'm so drunk right now. <laughs> so bad. Your 20s. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I was in a kung fu school, and that was like my life. <laughs> You were at a like, kung fu school? Yeah, that was how was I that... like, made any friends was I joined a kung fu school. W- what prompted that? <laughs> I I think I like at that time I wanted to be Michelle Yeoh and I just wanted really badly to kick ass. <laughs> so I like Can you do um, that? I mean Do you think you could beat me up right now me, if I needed you if to? If I needed to maybe. Okay. But I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I I would definitely not know how that. to fight back. You Thank, don't you. It. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I wouldn't know how to fight back. That would be scary for I wasn't me. Wasn't that great though? And I can only like I can only remember like the very beginnings of certain forms. It's really sad, actually. I'll have dreams where I can only remember a certain part of that form. So it's like not even deep <laughs> deep in the brain. It's like it's sad. Anyway, um, tangents. I lo- I love them. We like oh, like people should only ever be interviewed by people they already know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. It's dangerous. It's but. great. <laughs> It really is. Whatever. I did a photo shoot for people today where they asked me about my insecurities. And I was like, well, I have a whisker. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Jesus, why am I doing Oh, my God. This? But see, nowadays, see, okay, but this is the world that we're in now. Because yeah. when you say that now, it actually benefits you. Whereas if you said it like five years ago yeah. or even two years, I don't know, yeah. things are changing. And I think it's that I'm in some ways it's yeah. good, but the faux <clears throat> vulnerability Ugh. is like, yeah. you know, the no makeup. Like Chelsea- That's what I just did. That's the photo oh my shoot gosh. I just did, though. Oh, my gosh. But you're going to look beautiful <laughs> but it in it. it wasn't faux, I promise. Okay. So he really had no But you're going to look legit beautiful. I, I was <laughs> watching. You. Do you know um, Chelsea Peretti? I was watching one of her acts, and she's hilarious, um. and she was talking about the no makeup makeup. We'll, we'll talk about that another day <laughs> for now. So you're in this job that's not exactly satisfying. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. No, yeah, because it's because it wasn't what I was meant to do. I mean, it's just, you know, I so by the time I decided to get back into acting, I was uh, an I was an editorial assistant at a science fiction and fantasy imprint at HarperCollins, and that's fun. Like that's actually fun, you know. Like you get to you know read about princesses and mages, and you know that's and like I had a big Wolverine poster in my <laughs> office. I had an office with a door. Like that's cool. That is cool. Um, so yeah, so for that to not be satisfying and. You know, to be crying on my lunch break every day. Like, okay, like something's amiss. And, you know, the benefit, too, is that at that time, you know, I always say it got me to New York because it's like I got to go see amazing theater and be really effing inspired um, by brilliant, brilliant performances. You had to be sitting in your seat. At some moment, thinking I, I have to be up there. Yeah, it was it was it was Mercedes Rule in The Goat or Who Is Sylvia by Edward Albee. Like, and I and that was when I first got here. So I still repressed that for two years, but the whole time just kind of going, ugh, you know. And then like the movie Chicago came out, and you're like, I know all those words, I know all those dance numbers, I know, you know. And like, I just have to do that and. And like uh, Deadwood was was on and Munich, the movie Munich to this day. It's like, can we just make movies like that? And, you know, I so love that film. Oh, it's what it's so good. It's so good. And, you know, yeah, I got to watch that one again. I bet you that one feels super. You know, I bet you that one comes back too. anyway, because Kushner does that anyway. Kushner's anyway. So yeah, so brilliant theater was was really affecting me. You know, I wanted to I I wanted to 
be that conduit for 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 great text that Mercedes Rule was for me. Um, you know, she she let me reach Edward Albee somehow, and I wanted to be that for other people. Um, so that yeah. So how did you go about getting back in? So what happened was, I mean, okay, this is again, you kind of betray yourself a little bit before you even know. So when I moved to New York, I actually. I actually got in touch with an agency um, to hang on to my headshots just in case. Like, what? What? I thought you're done. You don't pay your SAG dues. Like, you're done. Um, but no, someone's going to hang on to my stuff just in case, right? And then they, like, would call me. And they'd be like, come and audition for this. I'm like, no, stop bothering me. I'm not an actor, blah, blah, blah. And so then two years later, you know, I call them. I'm like, hi, <laughs> I think I'm ready. <laughs> And, you know, this is to this day, I, I love my agency because, you know, they could have been like, F you. Like, they could have been like, we don't care. You don't you don't care. We're not going to be able to make anything off of you. Um, you know, go find somebody else. And they didn't. They were like, OK, great. Go get some classes. Um, train. And, you know, in the meantime, we'll we'll start moving you around and see see, you know, what bites and whatever. Um, best advice ever, you know. And so – and they were like, go and do do off-off. Go and do shows for free. Just get on the boards, get your experience, build your resume. Um, so I did that. Um, I went to the Atlantic. And, I, yeah, so I quit the 9 to 5. I went to the Atlantic uh, acting school and um, did a summer intensive there. And it was brilliant. And I still take it with me to this day. That's like so – it's still so much how I act. And – um, my teachers there, I'm indebted to, and so yeah, I did that, and uh, and I did like ten free shows back to back. Ten free shows, yeah. You're... Some of which were great, and some of which were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever were you worried at all about money at the time? Hell Not yeah. working, yeah. Well, yeah, I had I had a savings, and I used that savings, and by the time I used it, I was pretty freaked out. Um, and that was when, you know, I started to go, okay, you know, do I, do I edit freelance online and do I do, you know, like all the other things I could possibly do, um, cause I wasn't going to make rent. And, um, and it was the first time that I actually did ask for a little help from the mother. Um, and she helped me with one month. Um, but she, you know, but it like, it was, it was hard one. <laughs> Because we have that kind of relationship. Um, but it was all I needed. I mean, it was – that was rock bottom for me. Like that was like, holy crap, I'm doing – I'm doing a, you know, a children's Shakespeare, abridged Shakespeare thing for like birthday parties, you know, getting like splinters in my butt because of, you know, like their <laughs> unfinished deck in Soho. And uh, and you know working and they like they were like corrupt people. Not, I mean not the people who who um, had the house we were performing in, but the people who did the show were corrupt. And so it's oh just like gosh. it was just like a rock bottom. <laughs> and I like didn't know how. Rent did was you second get made. guess doing totally? Oh, totally. You do and and yeah, you you definitely have those talks with you know God or whomever you would think is telling you to do this, and uh, and you're like and you're just like ah like if I'm if I'm meant to do this then show me some encouragement and like you know some kind of like this is what I'm supposed to keep doing um and it was at that time that I realized you know telling yourself you're not going to give up 
is easy when like you're safe, you still have your savings and like you're, mm-hmm. you know, but not giving up on something really counts when you're broke, you don't know how you're going to make rent and you still would rather pursue that than anything else. So it's like, okay, you know, like you would, yeah. And so that's why I kept doing it. And how did it eventually all come together? I eventually, so so the the thing that helped, okay, so thank you, mom. She helped me one month with rent. Um, and then I booked a movie. Uh, it was an indie indie movie in South Carolina. And it they they had heard of me because of something I had done. I had done measure for measure in a church basement in Astoria. And they had a friend go watch it. And they were like, yeah, she yeah, she's fine. She can act. She's not, you know, she's not going to drool all over herself. Great. So they hired me. <laughs> um and but what a thing to keep in mind as an actor that you never what know tell. what your moment that of is discovery always, is going to be. Always what I tell people. I'm like, you know, bottom line is it's about being seen. It's about being seen doing your best work as much as possible. Um, you know, once once the career got bigger, that was like why that that was how I could wrap my head around like getting a publicist, for instance, because I was like, what? This is crazy. I don't want need people in my business, <laughs> you know, because I'm a very private person. But then it was like, oh, it's the same principle as like off off, which was just be doing like just be doing your best work and then increase the chances of people seeing it. Then th- th- all it does is just increase your opportunity for for more good work. And in that case, back in the church basement to indie movie, it was my opportunity to um, make enough to get my health insurance with my with with my union again with SAG. Wow! <laughs> it gave me it gave me enough for rent um, for a couple more months, and it also got me into health insurance. So it's like okay. And then the next gig, and then you're, you know, and so you're... Then and then you're, they start to snowball off of each other? They start to. Like, my snowball really happened. Like, I really knew it was kind of going to be okay. Like, I stopped doing um, free stuff <clears throat> after uh, the the storied Law & Order. You know, there's always a Law & Order for a New York actor that really, I think, does make you feel like, okay, I'm okay. They accept me. <laughs> and uh, I'm a New York actor. So I got a Law & Order. And then soon after that Law & Order, I got 30 Rock. Um, and yeah. And then I then I was like, I, I think I don't want to do free shows anymore. Um, so it was like my first graduation kind of feel. Um, and also... Oh no, maybe it was maybe before that. I, I also got to join Equity because I started to make enough regional houses um, for plays. So, um, so yeah, it it starts to build, and it's so hard to believe when when it doesn't when it's not happening, and you're just like, is this just you know a crackpot you know idea? But but yeah, you put the faith in, and it really does. It really really does. And and and, and I mean, all of my. Um, really like big blessed projects that I've worked on have been of that character, you know, just like putting the faith in and just going, well, something, something even better than I can imagine will come, you know, and that's, yeah. And here we are, Jesus. (laughs) How do you maintain that belief in yourself and your, when everything else that's going on around you isn't panning out? Ugh. I mean, I, 
I'm I'm a pretty spiritual person. Um, I'm not going to call it religious or pious in any way because I just don't. I I think you could call it anything. I you know it's all in all all faiths are the same as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I do believe that there are you know that there are forces somehow, even if you want to call it energy, um, which we all are. We know that. Um, or the force, or because whatever. Because you went to the University of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all know we're all atoms. Now what? Um, but, but yeah. So it's like I've always, I've always just had some kind of um, um, way of of tapping into faith in the future and hope. And uh, you know, I'm Catholic, so that's how I would do it. But, um, but. It's the same thing as, as anybody else doing it their way. It's just, um, you know, that would help. <laughs> and also, I think, like, you know, supportive supportive people in your life, too. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, you know my husband, Sean, and and we, you know, he had joined the Army at that point. So <laughs> it was one of those, like, yeah, that's what he did with his pre-life crisis. Um, so when I went through this, when I was, you know, taking my big leap – um, away from the nine to five and into auditions, he was training for the army, and then he got deployed like that October. So, like he was very much like, I can't tell you not to take a huge leap with your life when I'm, you know, in Arizona training. <laughs> yeah, you know. So we were both very, you know, uh, very much a part of this. Like, well, we have to forge our own lives and do what's right by us, and. Um, you know, so I, f- I felt very supported in the decisions, which was great. When Veep ultimately came together, yeah, did you feel it was big or different, or did you have any sense of what it was going to become? I didn't at all. And 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 I mean, listen, I knew HBO was HBO. However, I never thought of HBO in like the monetary sense. I always personally felt uh, like only thought of it in in the creative sense. Like like I said, one of the reasons I got back into acting was like cuz of Deadwood and Sopranos and you know, I always deep down knew that that was going to be a home for me and I mean, believe me, that felt crazy when you're like over on, you know, East 4th and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be on HBO someday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like these these guys, they know nothing. <laughs> I'm going to be on HBO, you know. But I did kind of have that feeling, like always, that there was like quality out there, and it happened to be on a cable television uh, network. And so, so there was like that kind of immense, kind of full circle. Wow, I can't believe I'm finally working for this like network that is so creative and so fostering um, for for brilliance. But also, it was a really grounded way to come about it because I got the job because of Armando Yanucci. <clears throat> so Armando and I had worked together, um, and that was like the biggest – so we did a movie called In the Loop. And that movie for me was like a big push of career. It was like, wow, I'm – doing something with the BBC. It's brilliant. I have no idea how it's going to turn out because his process is very um, is very different and very – I mean, you want to talk faith. It's like he is the best at that of just going, hey, we're all going to get together. We're all going to have fun. This is my idea. These are my brilliant writers, but we're just going to see what works. We're going to throw it all up 
in you know and see what works and keep what works and it's always delicious and that is like oh my gosh that's why I even am where I am is because that's the way I perform. So it's like that's why there was like a kindred spirit, I think, because because um, he knows how to find people like that who are like willing to, you know, at, like we, we like to say, like fail on stage, you know, who are willing. Yes. Um, Experiment. Yes. Put yourself out there. Make yeah. yourself vulnerable. And, and embrace There's nothing surprise. better, I think, when it comes to any kind yeah. of content. That safety, because so yeah. much of what's done nowadays is just what's safe, control, what's known to sell. Uh, yeah, but it's truth. It always like truth always. <laughs> truth will always set you free. But it, but it, it's <laughs> so that's deep, always. Anna. Uh, yeah, I came up with that. Um, but like it's, it, you know, that's why I'm in what I'm doing. It's not because again, if we want to go back to the Mercedes Rule performance, it's not because she, you know, gave a performance. That she planned out the whole thing and knew exactly what she was going to do and did it like a robot. She affected everybody in that room because she was good enough at her craft. Yes, she had rehearsed her blocking and she knew her lines. But the stuff, the 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 truth of the performance was so arresting and so present that it was palpable and everybody could also share in the experience. And, yeah, that's got across even boundaries like – not just in art, but also in journalism. You know, when someone's really willing to put themselves out there and tell a really brave story that, God, might be terribly risky, you know, chances are that will affect more than like, you know, the one that was all planned out, um, you know, and, and even in business, that's the way it is. Completely. So, yeah, you know, it's – um it's that kind of – but you find like a comfortability in risk. You find a com- – you know, you almost prefer it. How so. did you get to that point? Oy. I mean it's a lot of my training. Like honestly, Atlantic pretty much teaches that. It's like you've got you've got to be um, comfortable with the uncomfortability. Like that's – you know, like you can be shaking before stepping out on stage. But once you have the thing and you can concentrate on your partner – or or whomever's on stage with you and you can get your intention like that's what technique is for and so then you're just allowed to live um and that's that's the training that's what you practice doing and and I'm still practicing doing that like that's you know we still get to do that on our show um but even on any show it's like you know even before an audition you can practice that you know <laughs> i guarantee you when you're on the subway and you see people muttering to themselves and kind of staring at you half of them are probably actors like <laughs> like practicing for an audition <laughs> what is what is the worst advice you've received along the way mm, um yeah, lose weight was one of them for sure in the beginning. And and you know what? They may have even been right as far as like a bookability thing goes, but I was like again with the with the truth theme, I was like, okay. So I'm going to like kill myself and feel horrible about myself and be something that I in order to fit into a mold that you imagine for me. What happens when I still don't book? Now I've lost myself. And I don't know what to do. Like, it's fake. It's just fake advice. Um, you know, I find that I, I know a few, like, uh, off-duty actresses now who, you know, are, like, who are just beginning and, and they'll have people give them silly advice like that. You know, like, oh, maybe you should hit the gym or, like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe this is it or maybe – and it's, like, no one can tell you why. Like, no one can tell you why. It's It, it comes down to math. It's, like, there's there are so many roles – so many actresses are going for the roles and they've got to pick one. 
Like they can't pick three. They have to pick one. And so sometimes it just comes down to arbitrary, you know, factors. And, you know, when I worked for publishing, it was such a gift for me because I was on that side. I was like on the hiring side of a creative business. So like we would get, you know, submissions from really great writers. We get some real duds too, but we get we get some submissions from a great writer and go, oh, God, please, please keep writing. Keep submitting. We just can't sell this. We can't sell this for whatever reason. This is not like in our portfolio this season, but please, but please keep submitting. So it was never personal. It was almost it was also, you know, very much like like appreciated work. You know, it was just we can't sell that right now or like I need you know, we, we only have room for one of these and we've already got one, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, um, you know, when people try to turn it into something that the, that, you know, they can control. It's like, you know, it's the, it's just a matter of perseverance. It's just a matter of repetition. It's great <laughs> and perseverance. advice to people who just, I mean, yeah, you have to keep going back to it. Yeah. Just keep doing your best. And your best might be different today than it was, you know, tomorrow. Like, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm it's safe to say I'm probably a better actress now than I was, you know, uh, 10 years ago. But I'm still applying the same principles. I'm just trying to get I'm, – I'm just always trying to get better at this technique that I know of and maybe learn more to add to those techniques, you know. Um, but, but yeah, it's like you're never done. I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually sad we are done here. Yeah. This conversation, Anna, was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm, yeah, that, yeah, me too. I'm sad. <laughs> But we're really, this is, come on, life's good. Life is good. We're fine. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of No Limits. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe, rate us, tell your friends. And if there's someone you think we should have on the show, let me know. You can tweet me at Rebecca Jarvis. And of course, you can follow along with us behind the scenes on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. And special thanks to the team here at ABC that helps make this happen. It is a big one. Taylor Dunn, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelb, Michelle Bancardo, Steve Jones, and Elizabeth Hecht. And join me next Tuesday for an all-new episode of No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. Until then, take care, be well.